Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Lovely. And I feel like I know you, but I don't know you because <laughs> I will say I am speaking to the very talented Nico Ev. Thank you so much for having me. I know what you mean. Like, it's funny during the lockdown, especially kind of getting to see people online, you do start to feel as if you know people, even though you've never actually met, don't you? I know, I know. And actually, you were the very, very first person to do a Bro Brave session when we all went into lockdown. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I need to support the arts. And you were the very first person to come back saying, yeah, I'll, I'll do a Bro Brave session for you. And what a Bro Brave session it was. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Do you know, that was actually my first kind of live um, video thing that I'd done in the house as well. I think we all had to just adapt really quickly and just think, right, how do we go forward with what we do? Um, So yeah, it was a first for me as well, I have to say. And your track, Lady, I love it. Oh, thank you. Do you know, that was... Uh, one of the very first tracks that I ever wrote when I started um, doing some songwriting, which was only about two years ago uh, that I properly started. And a friend of mine, I sing in a function band and the, the other singer in the function band runs some music nights through in Falkirk. And he was running a city, like a songwriting competition in a pub. And he said, Nick, why don't you just come and sing some songs? And I said, well, I've not really got any finished songs, you know, that I could perform. But I ended up saying yes, and that was one of the reasons that I wrote Lady, and I finished it the night before the competition. In fact, I started it the night before the competition, so it was done in a, a night, that song. I hope you don't mind me saying, like, when I heard it, I was like, I feel like I know this song. Like, it just felt really familiar like it felt like yeah that is a song that you would remember but and I was saying this the other day that I listened to the radio and not to diss what's you know in the charts and stuff just now because I'm like anybody making music I'm all for it but some of the stuff like I'm hearing just in the kind of general charts I'm like I would forget that whereas your song the minute I heard it I was like it's there it's in my head it's like I'm not going to forget that oh that's really kind of you to say like I know what you mean with the sort of I find with modern music, a lot of it is more the production rather than the actual song. Yes. And I think because I'm coming from a place where I have minimal production, the song has to be really good and be able to stand up on its own. And I I think like um, a lot of the gigs that I do, you know, I do just on my own or maybe if I'm lucky, I'll have two or three musicians with me. So I can't rely on the production at all. Um, So it's interesting that you say that because quite often I write a song and I think, nah, I'm not going to use that. And I think, God, if, if I did hear that and it was really well produced, it would be good. But it needs to stand on its own, I think, for me. Because if I'm going to be standing on a stage, just me and a guitar or just me and a piano, I want it to be good every time, you know? Yeah, and actually, not to do a disservice, like you say, to, to what's out there just now, because I had this similar conversation with Mike McKenzie, the singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. and he was saying about, some songs when you hear them stripped back you know like in a live lounge type thing that actually like, that's a decent song but it has maybe been the heavy production and the choices made to make it have that slick sound that maybe the sentiment of the song gets lost absolutely do you know there's some really amazing songs that I actually genuinely love that I think if I'd written them I would have put them in the bin <laughs> but it just, pop music's such a funny thing it depends when you hear a song what your kind of life circumstances are, what kind of mood you're in, whether or not you're going to connect with a song, I think. Um, mm. And I, I think that's why some of the songs, when you actually listen to them, you think, I, I don't think I would have put that out if I'd written it, but I love it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like just trying to get the balance, isn't it? Totally. And I think of songs like, so when I was growing up, I was obsessed with music, absolutely obsessed. Like I come from like a musical family. My dad's a guitarist. So there's just constantly music in the house. And I think of songs that I totally obsessed over. And I'm like, it's so funny to look back. Like I still, there's still so many songs that I love. But remember that song, I Love Your Smile? Oh, yeah. I obsessed over that song. Like, it's funny how just, like, certain songs from your, like, growing up or your childhood, even, like, stuff that you discover in adulthood that just 
for some reason just stay with you like why did that song connect to me and why like you know did I absolutely obsess over it and play it every single day for like months on end yeah I mean I know exactly what you mean and there's been songs for me throughout and I think it is funny as you say like looking back and thinking you know that's such an odd choice I remember them um, sifting through like a, a cassette drawer in the house and finding all these amazing uh, albums some of them weren't amazing but I thought they were because I thought they were dead retro at the time I'm like oh cool you know I'm listening to my mum and dad's collection and yeah. <laughs> you know as a like 13 year old listening to Chris Rhea in my room on repeat <laughs> do you know Chris, yeah. <laughs> I do like Chris Rhea as well but do you know I, I actually think in the kind of digital age it's a bit of a shame in fact it's a real loss that kids nowadays probably won't have that avenue to explore older music because it's all online and I think with like the algorithms and everything on the streaming platforms you can sometimes your choices can be kind of narrowed and narrowed and narrowed with what you're sort of um presented to you as what you might like I mean there's like there's positives obviously to like streaming and stuff like I was listening to a podcast the other day there and they were talking about obviously for artists your music will get across the world faster than ever before you know yeah. artists back in the day wouldn't have had that opportunity as such and it would you know they would have to have physically went across the world to go to a radio station or play live gigs but in that there is something like you see being lost the music of the past like unless somebody's going you should listen to this it's really good you know mm-hmm. it stood the test of time or whatever then yeah your your feed is very curated a lot of the time for you definitely and I think what a lot of people don't realize like I certainly didn't realize until I started looking into it is how poorly paid the musicians are that actually stream their music so like I pay for a Spotify subscription 9.99 a month but the artists unless they're massive and they're getting loads and loads and loads of streams will see like hardly any of that money I saw Katie Tunstall was doing a sort of plea at the start of, or kind of maybe near the, the middle of lockdown, because obviously a lot of the musicians relied on like gigging to make their money. Yeah. And they're saying that, you know, streaming should be a bit fairer in terms of how the artists are distributed the money sort of thing, because it's it really is peanuts on the bigger platforms, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, and there'll be so many people accessing Spotify and not paying that subscription. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a dance dancer and dance teacher, it's, it was been wonderful mm-hmm. to have that tool do you know what I mean to like just have music at your fingertips but yeah I'm happy to pay for it do you know absolutely it, you're so right like I love it I, I say all that and I love it but I think even if everyone did pay the subscription I think the issue is the splits I don't think the artists would see more and I think it is an issue it is an issue I, I can't remember the exact figures but I looked at a um, somebody put together a spreadsheet of all the different streaming platforms uh, and what you get per play, and it was something like 0.003 pence or something. Oh, geez, it was oh something man. like that. <laughs> it's mad. Gosh, God. That, that, that's, that's the thing, and it must be so destroying. And we're all, like, anybody that is creative and works in the arts or does anything, puts themselves out there, we know the very many downsides of doing that and the difficulties, you know, but it must just be really soul destroying for a lot of these artists that you know I got into it because I love it but yeah I need to like pay my bills absolutely <laughs> you know like I live in fresh air <laughs> depends if you like beans and toast or not I suppose doesn't it <laughs> true, <laughs> it comes down to that true, true story <laughs> so like taking you back a wee bit you obviously were talking about reading your mum and dad's album collection <laughs> was music just a part of your life like it was for me I just felt like um, there was just constant music in my house was that a similar theme for you do you know it's funny not really my mum when she was at school did play the clarinet in the school band and things like that but we always had instruments in the house but nobody really knew how to play them um and me I've got two siblings we all kind of went to lessons when we were young but I think having somebody in the house that maybe plays the guitar or can show you or, you know, do a few wee things on the piano would have been really nice. Um, but what I found myself doing was just like roping pals into it. I remember starting a band and we sat in the garage, but none of us could play anything. So we just took all the instruments that we had in the house down to the garage and started writing songs. But of course, like Love it. if you don't know if you don't know how to play any chords, so it's not going to go very far. I, I remember in my uncle Stuart coming coming around um he's actually my dad's really good friend he's not a a blood uncle but he taught me a blues riff on the guitar because I had this guitar that I'd borrowed from a neighbor but I didn't really know what to do and 
he started me off in this blues riff and he also played me um and what was the song it was a real rock um riff I can't remember what it was and I remember just looking at him and on thinking one day I will know how to play that I'm going to I'm determined I'm going to learn how to play that and that kind of started me off somebody just kind of taking some time and showing you we always had like instruments around the house as I say we had a piano so I kind of um I went to formal piano lessons for about a year and it really was not my thing um (laughs) I realized that very quickly but then as an adult I've gone back to the piano in a much more sort of laid back fashion and I use it in the same way I use the guitar I don't worry too much about the notes or the rhythms or anything I just uh, work on the harmonies and you know put chords together and see what I like and I find that for me it is far more rewarding than learning you know, old sort of Mozart and Chopin pieces and things like that. Although I do think eh, there is a place for that, but certainly for songwriting, eh, just the sort of more casual approach has has really worked for me. Well, I like that approach because it, it kind of tells anyone out there that's listening, that's thinking, oh, I can't, like, I'm not accomplished enough to, to sit down at a piano and create something. You're like, no, 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 you just put your fingers in the keys and see what happens you know what I mean like it's just about the creativity of it it's not about being an absolute expert and being able to work your way through various classical pieces before you can start to consider creating something of your own 100% do you know I actually I have had the opportunity to do formal piano lessons a few times and I've just found that it really doesn't work for me but one thing that did stick in my head I, I trained up to be a music teacher so piano was part of the course and I had this fantastic tutor at uni, and he was such a character. He spent most of the time actually out in a fag break, but never mind. And he, one thing he always said, though, was just put your fingers on the keys and wackle them about. And I was like, I was thinking, what do you mean? And actually, he's right. See, once you get your fingers on the keys and the right chord and waggle them about, it sounds amazing. That's, <laughs> that's that's my extent of playing the piano. You, you know? deserve that bag break. Absolutely, that's excellent <laughs> advice. Well, exactly. Do you know, I started teaching a friend piano um, a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago now. And do you know, I found myself actually saying that phrase. I'm like, that honestly, James, that's all you do. You just put your fingers there and just waggle them about. <laughs> and it's so true. <laughs> That's it's like just getting off the starting blocks, isn't it? Just it is. putting something down on paper or just like you're saying, waggle your fingers <laughs> across the keys. Like you might just stumble across something, you're like, oh. That's quite nice. And so is that your approach when you are songwriting? Obviously, you were talking about that competition and, you know, there was the, there was the impetus to, to, to do something, to create something. But mm-hmm. moving forward in your songwriting career, is that what you do? You just sit down and go, right, let's see what comes out today. A hundred percent. Like a lot of people ask me, how do you start? What do you do? Actually, mainly most of the time what I do is I just sit at an instrument or I have my guitar and I'm wandering about the house and I just play and then sing and see if anything comes out. And quite often loads of rubbish comes out, but maybe there's one line or one thing that you say and you think, oh, I didn't even know I was thinking that in my head, right? That is quite a good idea and I'll maybe explore what those thoughts were a little bit more. Um, And I honestly find just doing it and trying it is the best way but also knowing Mm -hmm. when to walk away sometimes I'll sit down and think right I I really want to create something today I want to feel like I've been productive and you know you're not in the right um or the creative ideas don't come and I think it's fine to also just walk away on those days and think well you know like I tried a few wee things that didn't work but you know that's okay um and I, I would say like something that I do a lot of is um recording voice memos on my phone and then sometimes if I'm driving a long journey or something, I'll go through and listen to them um, one at a time and think, oh, that actually was quite a good idea. And it means mm. that sometimes I'll go back to something. If it's good enough and I like it enough, I'll go back to it. And if I don't, then that's fine because it's a quality control sort of thing. If I don't like it enough to go back and actually put the effort in to finish it, then it means it's probably not going to be a song for just now. The other thing that I sometimes do is join songs together. You know, I've kind of written a verse and a chorus. And actually, when I listen to them, I think that's on the same sort of theme and I think they might work. So I've I've done that as well a few times. But I think cataloguing your stuff is a really a good way of getting the most out of your sort of creative sessions where you are just kind of mucking about with things and ideas are coming out so that you don't forget anything. 
I like that attitude as well, like to not put the pressure on yourself like this has to be. Well, you might initially say, right, this that this is going to be a productive session, but when it's not, that you don't berate yourself for that because I think I'm very guilty, whether it be a choreographic sense or even, you know, in a past life, music was my thing. I think that's what stops me now picking up the guitar and, and writing because I, I put too much pressure on myself to create something good. Yeah. And I should know better because choreographing, you don't always hit the mark right away. And that's the joy of it. You know, like you're saying, it's piecing all those bits together and then something comes out of it that you could never have expected. But um yeah, it's, it's obviously not about sitting down. And that's why I always think about artists who are like I'm going into the studio to write an album you're like that's a lot of pressure like how long are you going to be in the studio <laughs> I know I, do you know I think those artists must have somebody else paying for the studio because if they were paying it, <laughs> paying it for themselves I'm very doubtful they would be doing that you know <laughs> um but it's funny what you say about like the pressure and I very much I think that's why I've come to this a bit later on um I always felt maybe that I wouldn't be good enough or maybe people wouldn't like my songs or and then I don't know what changed but I remember a phrase kind of coming to me and I I thought no artist in the world ever picked up a paintbrush and did a masterpiece the first time and see as soon as I thought about it like that I thought oh so this is kind of a learning journey as well and I think journey is the key word not all of my songs are going to be amazing from the word go or Mm. ever but it is a journey and it is about learning skills and you know creating something that wasn't in the world before and I think even just doing that whether it goes anywhere or people like it or not is an amazing expression and um, a really really nice and healthy thing to do mentally as well so um, I think if you take that pressure away you can you can really enjoy your your experience of creating something Picasso actually said all children are born artists and it's just having to try and keep that alive sort of thing as you get older I don't think that was the exact quote but it was the the essence of it and I think that's definitely true it's play isn't it we we, we forget how to play and it's so important you know working in education a lot myself I'm very lucky to continue that sense of play like I, there's nothing better than like a random drama game or creating just a bit of movement out of nothing and and just seeing the joy of like the ownership that like young people can take over their own ideas sometimes you can see initially that they they think like that that idea or oh, it needs to be amazing you're like no, no no literally we're just playing about we're just playing and you just never know what can come out of that but I think like you say as adults we quite often layer a lot of pressure on ourselves to, to have this finished product and you're like no no just it's about the process of it it's not about the product at the end necessarily that'll come yeah I totally agree with you I totally agree with you and being a, a part-time teacher myself as well, I do feel that sometimes exams can take the magic out of it. I'm a secondary teacher and knowing that we're working towards an exam, you know, sometimes it would actually be nice to go and explore something a bit more in-depth that the kids are enjoying doing, but we think, oh, right, actually, we need to kind of move on to the next thing. And yeah, I, I, that's something I would really like to see change, actually. I would like to see education transform a little bit so that we can reintroduce the creativity because... I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard any of Ken Robinson's stuff, but I just love I that never man. That. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, really, it's that TED talk, you know, talking about creativity. It's just spot on. Like, we just breathe it out in a lot of we ways. We do. We really and do. And I get it. You know, certain things, it's obviously important to be able to count and to be able to read. And But I think being creative whilst learning is so important and and creativity is an amazing way to learn you know I've got a friend who's currently working on a dance project in primary schools and they're using the curriculum to teach well they're using dance to teach the curriculum basically that's so good to hear and you're like yeah because a lot of people are different types of learners as well like a lot of people need to be up and about and on their feet and hands-on not just necessarily sitting in a chair looking at a board or a screen or whatever so I think yeah, there's there's definitely room for manoeuvring a bit in terms of what the curriculum definitely. is and how we approach learning. Def- I couldn't agree with you more. And do you know I think like quite a common misconception as well around the word creativity is people think it's like drama or music or art or that kind of thing. But actually, I've done a lot of kind of um, research into this. I was part of a working team at the school that I work in, and creativity is simply a skill 
It's kind of creating something new and innovating. And that really is a skill that's going to be so important to the young people going out into the world. Because at the moment, you know, in the last 20 years, the way technology has moved has been more than the last 100 years, just because of the sort of advances that have been made. And actually, as educators, we don't know the jobs that are going to be available because they're not there yet. Um, And there's new industries popping up all the time. I mean, look at social media over the last like 10 years, the amount of jobs, um, half of the staff in the school that I work in, and it's no disrespect, don't know what an influencer is. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we do need to try and move a bit more with the time so that we can equip the young people with the creative skills to be able to kind of fit into this kind of modern world that we don't know what it's going to look like yet. Yeah, and I think you're right in the sense that, you know, people have this idea of, oh, he's a creative, she's a creative, they're a creative. And it's like, no, no, you all have the we all have creativity or the, the ability to be creative. It's just how you tap into that and what is your particular field of interest. Every aspect in life could be doing me a dose of creativity in it. Definitely. And something that I was really amazed to find out when I was doing my research was creativity is actually a skill and you can learn to get better at it. <laughs> and I thought, wow, exactly. because I very much had the view that creativity was like to do with the arts. And it wasn't until I realised it was about innovation and problem solving, you know, that I, I thought, oh gosh, we should really, that is an amazing thing to be able to you know, allow pupils to apply to anything and we should be really focusing on that in schools. A lot of the pupils, I think, their first port of call is to come and say, oh, this isn't working. And what I then say in turn is I say, okay, so what can we do about it then? Because I think they just are so used to people jumping in and doing it for them or helping them or that. But actually we need to be more patient and take the time to help them, you know, build their skills because it's the only way that they're going to learn them. (laughs) Spot on. Yeah, I can hear them though going, oh, miss. They just want you to tell them the answer. (laughs) They do. (laughs) So taking you back to that songwriting competition. So like, what was the format and what was like, was it like a a live performance then of your track? Yeah, so um, what it was, was kind of run up rounds, if you like, um, heats. And I think it was maybe seven or eight weeks of the heats and then a final um, and I think there was maybe about, you know, between 10 and 15 acts in the final or something like that. And I was just chuffed to bits to be there and that I'd managed to get through it the final week and that I'd actually written two songs. And I couldn't believe I actually won the competition. And yeah, yeah and I, I mean, it wasn't, um, and in the grand scheme of things, it was not a big deal. <laughs> but for me, it just totally changed my mindset. And I thought, I can actually do that. And people actually think it's good and you know it really changed my perception of maybe what I was capable of in that sort of field and as well I got a nice prize of some money which I used to put a pickup in my guitar so that I could go out and gig properly and then I also got a day or a track in a studio um, as well so that kind of started me on the recording journey which was really nice as well so honestly it was such a transformative thing for like a, a kind of informal competition it really did mm. shift my life and now when I'm looking at all the changes that have come in my life since then it really was a huge sort of turning point um, I've kind of gone part-time in my, my teaching work since then I've picked up a lot of um a lot more paid music work than what I was doing before. I'm hosting my own nights in Glasgow um, where people come along and they sing um, open mic nights, that sort of thing as well. And it's really um, opened my eyes to a whole new sort of lots of shiny things that I can be getting involved in that I just hadn't really considered before. And that's amazing that you, you won it, but I bet that even if you hadn't, that spark something in you it was just the I'm, I'm in the mix I'm doing it I'm meeting all these interesting people people are liking what they're hearing like it's just that moment where you feel like oh actually I built this up in my head to be something unachievable and here I'm doing it and just that the, the confidence that you built in yourself to just go out and give it a bash and I, th- I think providing opportunities for people to do that is really important and I think that's something that I would like to do I don't know what the sort of lie of the land will be in terms of like open mics and all those you know gigs that I was doing but 
I really would like to, you know, offer that opportunity forward at some stage and do something similar myself, because I don't know about you, but what I've been finding is I've been kind of looking for opportunities over the last few years, and a lot of them are age restricted, and I am now too old. And I think, yeah, you know, like there's funding for this or there's funding for that or there's a competition. And I saw saw a competition recently and the cutoff was 30 and I thought, oh, this is so unfair. So I think giving opportunities out for everybody is really important. And that's definitely something that I would like to do at some stage. Yeah, well, there'll be people. I mean, my dad, case in point, he was on the podcast as my 100th guest recently. You know, the passion's still there, absolutely, from, like, a teenage boy found his first guitar in a field in Newt Hill. Wow. And uh, the passion is absolutely still there. There's not a day that he doesn't play the guitar or listen to music or watch concerts. And even he was saying on the podcast, like, if there's anybody out there that fancies, like, starting a band, you know, he just, <laughs> he's got it. So I'm like, there must be a million other people. You know, my dad's going to be 70 next wow. year. He's amazing. He's still got it. Do you know what I mean? He's a, a beautiful singer, great guitarist, like, great like frontman uh, you know and I'm like there must be loads of people out there that haven't even had the opportunity that he's had to gig and perform over his lifetime that would just for whatever reason just love somebody to be like do you know what you could come to this thing and you could get up on the stage or you could collaborate with somebody and write a song and that could absolutely be life-changing for somebody and why why is there an age restriction where it's like well it's a bit you're a bit too late why, why is that? Why is that? I know it shouldn't be. We should be encouraging people at all ages. And there are, don't get me wrong, there are definitely people that are emerging in the Scottish scene just now that have come to it later in life. And I think, you know, good for you. Mm. Something I hear a lot is, oh, I'd love to play the guitar. And I say, well, why don't you take it up? Oh, I'm too old now. I think we need to get out of that mindset. Ah, it's bananas. You're like, like, do you have a, like some sort of crystal ball? Do you know when you're checking out here? Because... <laughs> Why is there a cutoff point for for some people? Why have we been sold this story? Like, uh, well, that's it. You're past it. You've had it. And you think, well, like songwriting stuff, like you would have all that life experience to write about. Well, exactly. And I think you're a bit more sure of yourself as well. And um, you can bring a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. I would say like a lot of the people that do come to my music nights are um, in a sort of older age bracket. Don't get me wrong, it's mixed. But I would say probably if you were to take an average, it's, you know, 40 or above would be the people so it's, it's actually really nice it gives um everyone a chance and that might just refuel it for you as well like just to hear other people's stuff and just because you don't know where you're taking inspiration from but it just goes in by osmosis a lot of the time but then that'll just refuel whatever you're working on next i, I would imagine 100 and it's like a nice community and what it means is if anybody's got gigs we can go you know, yeah. and you know, you've maybe got five or six folk from the same crowd. And then, you know, if I've got a gig, folk will maybe come along to that. And it's it's quite nice. It's a, a bit of an exchange, a creative exchange, I, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's been lovely over lockdown to have that sense of community online, you know, on Instagram. And that was partly the reason why I did the the Brave sessions. I mean, it was obviously why I decided to do the podcast in the first place. But mm-hmm. um, it doesn't, it, it's not a substitute for that live experience of music, but also just the the sense of community that you can feel when you're at a, like an event like yours, like just meeting new people and listening to music and appreciating music together. Like definitely, I think we're all hankering after that. For sure. And can I just say as well, um, the stuff that you've been doing, Lisa, has been really, really good. I've really enjoyed checking oh, into it. Um, and I also think... Uh, I would love to get some curly hair tips from you because I don't know if you if you know, but my hair's naturally curly and only since lockdown have I started kind of embracing the, the inner Leo. Ah. And some days, you know, you just get a bad hair day and it goes all frizzy do. and I don't know, I know what the difference between those days are. So maybe <laughs> maybe after this you can give me some tips. <laughs> I know, I'm sitting here with a head of weight here actually. So I, am I. I, I, Well, I, I tend to like just leave it to do its thing because mm-hmm. I think if I'm impatient and I blast it with the hairdryer, then we, we're not sure what's going to happen. Uh-huh. There's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to it. So yeah, I'm sitting here because I was thinking before we started recording this, I was like, oh my God, I need to dry my hair. Like, and then I was like, oh, it's good, you're not on camera. I just need to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I went through that exact thought process this morning as well. Mine's, mine's slowly drying as well as we're chatting away. Currently girls together, I'll tell you. <laughs> the superpower. <laughs> That's where all the secrets are in the hair. That's right. So you were saying earlier on about the, the creative process for you and it's very much just like a organic thing and sometimes you get those nuggets 
that or you're not even sure that they're nuggets but you you put them to one side and come back to them and stuff do you collaborate with anybody at any point absolutely i have to say um it's something that i found really quite difficult and actually sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't um collaboration on something creative i mean don't get me wrong in that and lots of aspects of my life I do collaborate a lot and I find it really easy but I think for this because it's such a personal thing I find collaboration quite difficult but I have uh, been lucky enough to team up with a, a friend of mine that I met through the sort of Glasgow music scene called Ian McNeil and he is in a band called The Alphas and he's been writing music for years and just producing his own stuff and releasing it and they've I think at one time they had a lot of radio play over in the US, particularly on the college radios and stuff like that. So Ian's got loads of experience and he writes in lots and lots of different genres. Quite different style of music actually from what I write, but he came round to the house one night and uh, brought a few beers and he came with a like a stereo and he'd made up a playlist. Ian's dead old school, so he wouldn't just put it. He doesn't. He didn't have Spotify or anything. So he actually brought a stereo, um, and he, <laughs> I know he sat it in the living room. And he said, "I've made you a playlist. Um, and what we'll do is we'll just both sit quietly and not talk for half an hour. Let the music kind of just wash over us and write down anything that comes to our heads." And I mean, I was thinking, right? I mean, I don't see how I don't see how that's going to work. <laughs> but I thought, mm. you know what? I'll try it. I'll try it. So um, it was actually really nice. I, I have to say. So we um, sat and we did that, and I could not believe the amount of thoughts that had been unknowingly to me going round my head, and that were ready to come out and be written down. And I wasn't trying to put them into prose or anything, or. It was just whatever came out, write it down. Doesn't need to rhyme. Doesn't matter if it, you know, one line's different from another. And then what we did, I ended up writing about seven or eight A four pages throughout the half an oh hour. My I know. And what we did was we just went through, and if there was any, we kind of read out to each other what we'd done. There was a few lines that jumped out, and I thought, oh, that's you know, that's quite a nice, a nice idea. One of the songs that came out of that was "Old Sun." We kind of went back through the lines, and we just picked out a few and then we built around it and um, we just used that as a starting point and Ian and I have probably written about we've maybe co-written about four or five songs uh, using that as a starting point so mm. it goes to show sometimes you know other methods that people suggest are worth giving a bash because I wouldn't have sat and done that myself I wouldn't have believed that we would have got anything out of it but it's been really fruitful each time I've done it and I really love working with Ian because there's no ego involved at all He's very, like, respectful, and I'm very respectful of, of, you know, his ideas as well. But I don't feel like we're compromising. We both kind of have similar ideas and visions of what needs to go in there or where that lyric needs to go or the melody's not quite right there. So we seem to fit quite well as a songwriting team. So I would say two of the songs that I sing regularly have come out as a result of that and then there's maybe about another three that we've recorded and everything and I have published potentially with you know the idea for somewhere down the line somebody else might sing them because they're not really um, songs in in my particular style but I still think they're good and they're commercial and um, somebody might like to use them at some point so I don't really know how to take that forward though that's something that I'm I'm kind of working on at the moment uh, songs for other people and how you would actually go about that so yeah that's that's my kind of experience I love that. That's that's so interesting how he that was just his approach. And yeah, at first it felt quite jarring for you. You were like, right, okay, not mm-hmm. really getting this. And then it just shows you, yeah. Yeah, it's just been open to that. It sounds like it was a bit of a therapy session as well, just being able to like <laughs> get those thoughts out of your head that you didn't even know that you, you know, had. It was, ama- it was amazing. It was kind of like meditation. I've tried yeah. like the meditations and stuff and my mind just goes everywhere. And I think this really isn't for me. But something like that was so good. And Ian actually worked for years eh, with people that were trying to overcome alcohol and drug addictions and I don't know if maybe ah. that sort of temperament comes from you know having a role like that but yeah it's, it's been a really nice way to work together. I like it I like how you just said like let the, the music wash over us and yeah it's, it made me think of I was thinking about meditation and I did this meditation app before and it was like you I'm, I was thinking well you know if, I, if I'm not like if my mind isn't empty then I'm not doing it right and actually they said it's like traffic like just stand at the side of the road and watch the traffic you're not don't try and jump into the traffic (laughs) and get across the road just watch the traffic so it's okay to have like lots of thoughts 
but it's just like standing back and watching them and I guess that's probably what you did in that moment where you just like took the time to stop and just like acknowledge all the things that were in your head you're like "Mm, okay we'll just put that down and see what happens and for the sounds of things it was very fruitful absolutely absolutely that's good you know maybe I'll go back and try I downloaded I can't remember what the name of the app was it was one of the the, um, the bigger ones Headspace it was Headspace yes it was Headspace that I got an idea from that that's Andy with his lovely voice Andy will tell you to watch the show (laughs) okay I actually paid for the whole year subscription and I used it twice and I thought but in my in my head I justified I thought I'd spend 50 quid easy if I went out for a meal in the pub so I'm going to invest that's a whole year's worth of meditation and then I tried it twice and I thought I don't like this <laughs> but I'll try it again I know I think we just have this idea of what it will be and I guess that's the same as like your creative process like you've got an idea of what it should be and you're like no no it shouldn't be anything it's just it is what it is mm-hmm. exactly you've just got to go with the flow and, and see what it takes you like you were saying about writing for other people it sounds to me that that wasn't like a conscious thing you created a song and now you're thinking this isn't something that I would necessarily want to record for myself or play live but it's nice how that opened that opportunity up like you're thinking oh actually I might have songs in me that don't belong to me but maybe would suit other people's voices what would you say is your style then if you're saying those songs weren't me um do you know that's this has been something that I've really um struggled to get to grips with since I started writing what is my style well not that I'm trying to put you in a box you don't need to be in a box but I just wondered if you had like a, an idea of what is you um well do you know I'd be really interested to hear I, I quite often say to other people well what do you think you know when I first started writing um a lot of people said oh that sounds dead country and that's not really what I was going going for consciously and I understand why they said that um I think my voice does have a sort of country <laughs> twang so I've kind of consciously tried to come away from that um in my more recent things um some people have kind of likened it to first aid kit for me they're oh, on the right goodness. side of country <laughs> um mm-hmm. uh, you know they do have this sort of country influence but it's not full-blown um some people have said Eva Cassidy that sort mm-hmm. of style so I guess I mean I take a lot of inspiration from sort of acoustic songwriters. I really love Laura Marling. Yes. I really love Damien Rice. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Connor Oberst. Um, I honestly used to just idolise Regina Spector, and I feel like some of her um, flavour is coming out. Uh, the more I write on piano, the more I think, oh, that's a wee bit Regina Spector. I didn't, I didn't consciously do that, but she's had a huge influence on me. You know, all the kind of old singer-songwriters as well. I love Dylan, I love Joni Mitchell, um, all of those people. So I guess I, I've kind of drawn inspiration from them and I've come up with a, a sort of, you know, an identity. And I, I guess it's maybe, you know, acoustic songwriter, maybe independent folk. Mm. <laughs> so Yeah, I think it's nice that you don't want to put, like, you don't you certainly don't have to put yourself in a, a box like even with this podcast I had to pick was it like entertainment or was it education or was it popular culture and you're like sometimes you're like I, I'd like to tick a few boxes like I don't want to just tick one <laughs> definitely definitely um, and I think as you say you don't have to be in a specific box I think that's absolutely fine and it's quite interesting isn't it I'm not dissing country I think country's really got a place but it wasn't just it wasn't what I was going for <laughs> it was kind right. of where people put me and I thought right, I'm going to consciously try and get out of there uh, because the type of music that I listen to I want to recreate something that I would if I heard it in a playlist I would like it or I would put a wee tab on it to come back later and I feel like with my my recent particularly my recent tracks I think yep if I heard that in the car I would go and look and see who it was sort of thing whereas I think maybe the first kind of tracks that I wrote I maybe didn't know my style and I was still trying to explore it a wee bit and find out exactly where I was. Yeah and you'll be taking influences like you say from so many different people like if you were to put all them influencers in one bowl you're like oh yeah there's quite a spectrum there but that that will essentially just help to create your individual sound and whatever that is at at that time and I guess like any artist's 
you'll go through um, a progression where your sound at some point just is very different f- because you're living your life and that you know and whatever's coming out in your music is just like an expression of who you are at that moment I love that sort of I've got a visual of a big fishbowl with like Bob Dylan and all that clamping it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that expression and that idea and actually something that just struck me when you said that was I guess one thing that pulls all of those artists together is that they are storytellers and their mm. lyrics are meaningful and I would say that that is probably the biggest thing that I've taken uh, from that melting pot I I do try and make my songs meaningful in some way but also ambiguous so that people can take their own meanings from it as well Uh, but I don't just write a song that rhymes because it sounds catchy or sounds good I try and always either tell a story or you know paint a a scene or a picture or something like that with my my lyrics. Yeah because I guess as a a songwriter you're also aware that somebody might identify themselves in a song and go is that about me <laughs> that's, true. that's true I think that actually did happen once but really? <laughs> the person didn't say anything they just kind of laughed it was like oh. <laughs> you're like thank you for the inspiration <laughs> <laughs> slightly embarrassing and obviously there have been so many highlights in the last couple of years like I guess a highlight would have been you've been able to pursue music and taking that what I would imagine was quite a, a big leap of going part-time and your teaching work yeah do you know it was and I guess it was like more of a gradual shift though Lisa it was what had happened I've always sung in function bands and things over the last 10 years so I've always been doing that at weekends and working um full-time as well but I think we got more and more bookings in and I thought gosh this is actually getting a wee bit unmanageable having five days of work two days of of that and then one day off and then I st- took on some of the open mic work that I've been doing and that was then working Monday to Friday, playing Thursday to Saturday nights, Sunday off and I thought this is actually getting a bit ridiculous. Um, so I was very lucky that the staffing situation allowed for me to go down to three days and actually took on a wee bit more music work. It's been a kind of gradual shift yeah. and I think the hardest part about it was the time where I was doing the full-time job as well as the part-time job and I was I, honestly I was a scatty for about three months I was late for everything I was forgetting things I was dropping things because I was literally running from one thing to another and I, I think particularly with like the pub working stuff there's a lot of gear to be like lifted out the car really heavy and all that and you know it was a bit of a strain for those few months where I was doing both and I was knackered I was literally coming home and taking like a 10 minute power nap shoving a sandwich in my mouth and then running back out the, the door to do something else so I don't want to go like, back I love to this, that. I love this really I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a wee bit of that <laughs> um, but I feel like the balance now has been redressed and it's um, it's really it's, it's so nice like I love variety and all aspects of my life and my work life's no different so I'm very uh, grateful and fortunate to have that nice balance. And I'm not being funny but that's important for your pupils yeah. that you have music in your life and you are being creative and you have this other like obviously you went into music teaching because you love music mm-hmm. um, but I think it's really important especially for like you know as a, a subject in the arts that um, you are living that life you are still creating music you're still in the music world because that's only going to influence and rub off on you on your teaching and on on the pupils that you work with yeah I totally agree and I think it is it is nice to be able to share you know kind of more informal things with with pupils in terms of you know we're not just necessarily working towards this exam you wanted to learn that song on the guitar well why don't you come up and I'll, I'll teach you or as a mm. kid um, on Wednesday who she's a she's a talented singer songwriter actually but she didn't know how to use garage band so I said well why don't you come up and I can show you what I know and I love that aspect of the job being able to kind of feed in other things into the pupils and, and, and teaching them things that maybe aren't in the curriculum necessarily that I can bring from my, my work outside actually one of the, one of the scariest things I've done in my role, and this will sound like nothing, but last um, when was it? I think it was towards the end of the term. We had a big interdisciplinary event, and all of the S three pupils were sitting in the what we call the open area. It's just like the sort of communal area of the school, 
and the organizer had asked me would you mind coming and singing like one of your songs that you sing <laughs> and at the time she asked me in november and i thought oh do you know what that's fine i thought i'm sure something will come up that i can't do it before then that's okay so <laughs> i said yes and then she came the week before she said you're still up for it and nothing you know there'd be no nothing that had happened because i thought we might have our exams or something at that time and uh, she said you still up for it and i thought do you know what yes i'm up for it Obviously, I've got to be professional in my role and I don't share a lot about my personal life with the pupils. So that was quite a big step for me to actually let them see that I do that on the side, you know. And I think, you know, I think they were quite surprised as well. And it is, I think it should be more about a kind of sharing of things. But I have to say, with all the guidance and everything on social media and having to be so careful, a lot of educators are a little bit scared and they do take a step back so that they're not definitely not crossing any boundaries. So yeah, so that was a, a scary but nice experience. Good for you. Well years. done. <laughs> and Thank like you. the thing is like if that influenced one young person in that that room just to be like, do you know what? Like and they would have recognised they're at that age where they understand that that would have been nerve wracking for you. Mm-hmm. But it's good because Quite often you are in your comfort zone and I think it is nice to step out of that because we're asking a lot of our young people at the time to step out of their comfort zone. So it's like, well, why wouldn't you then? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And it is, it does feel a bit vulnerable, but I always think, gosh, that reignites and it reminds me that that's probably how the pupils are feeling when I'm asking them to do X, Y, and Z. Do you know the other thing that I sometimes think, and I probably shouldn't say this, but sometimes I sit in staff meetings and you sit and you're enthusiastic for the first 10 minutes. And then the next, you know, after about half an hour, you're thinking, God, this is how the kids feel. Because you're just being talked at and you think, oh, right, no wonder their face looks like that sometimes, right? I'm going to make sure I don't do that again. (laughs) So it is nice to just switch places sometimes and remind yourself. Yeah, you do remember the teachers who had that bit of humility about them. You remember like teachers when they used to wear their own clothes? Well, I say their own clothes, but not their working clothes when you were going to like a school trip. And you were like, oh, Mr. So-and-so owns like jeans. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just nice to see like your teachers like as actual people. Yeah, I know. We have lives and different layers, and I think it makes young people respect you more when they're like, all right, oh, cool, you do that. Like, you have a life outside this. Like, they can just kind of see a bit, a bigger picture of of who you are and who they could be, you know, and certainly in terms of music, like, you doing your thing, I think, is amazing. And, and it will be inspiring some of the young people that you work with just to be like, oh, cool, you can have music in life at whatever age and you can have a job as well like that not necessarily music has to be your life it can be part of your life definitely definitely and I think like as you say it is nice um connecting with the pupils like on school trips and stuff like that when you used to see your staff like your your teachers in their casual clothes I I a few years ago I was chatting to my mum about that and I said wouldn't it be nice if you were like paired with a family or something or a couple of families and you actually got to go and spend the weekend with them as part of your job, or you got to go to their house for dinner or something. Because I do, I think we sometimes compartmentalise it and we forget that we're all people and we're all there for the same thing and we all want the best for each other and stuff. We're all just trying to figure it out, this life. That's it, I know. Yeah, and I think I just having a better understanding of each other breeds a space for more creativity, more openness, um, being able to be your authentic self and all that lovely stuff 100 percent, 100 percent. so in terms of like gigging and performing and i know that's like a bad word to say right now when we're not allowed <laughs> to do that um what have been real like highlights for you thus far um well it's funny because i wear a lot of different hats in my my musical stuff as i said i've done a lot of corporate functions and weddings for the last 10 mm-hmm. years so i guess i mean in that sort of respect i've played at the what do you call it, the fruit market, the old fruit market in Glasgow a few times with the function band. And I always, every time I walk on the stage, I think, right, one day this will be my own gig. <laughs> so I don't know if that's going to happen um, anytime soon, but that is something that I've had in my head. And I think I would love to just walk out here and do my own stuff at some point. Um, in terms of my own uh, kind of solo stuff, my songwriting stuff, um, highlights, I guess, would include, I was included in the seven song club i don't know if you've heard of it it's um held in the tron theater and basically the idea is that each artist or act plays seven songs and it's um a mixed audience that come along just for a night of of three different acts playing their songs so that was a really really a uh, nice thing and i would consider that a highlight as well mm. a real highlight 
over the last, like over the lockdown for me, has been actually working together with a producer uh, called Jack Henderson. He's a musician in his own right and he's got releases out. He's actually uh, released something just now. I think his single's called Nobody Gets Hurt. Um, and he's a really talented guy and it's been really nice uh, working with him on the forthcoming EP. So that's been Exciting. a real highlight. Um, I know it's so exciting, Lisa, and I think just going along with that, I, I created my first music video, uh, like, I mean, the, the first official one over the lockdown as well, uh, and that's all been edited and back to me just a few weeks ago. So I would say both of those things um, yeah. recently have been real highlights of all my ideas and things sort of coming together um, into into one sort of package, if you like. And what do you think is the difference with playing with a band and, and doing that to your own stuff? Like, is there a different vibe when you're on stage? Like, do you feel different when you're up there doing your own thing? It's such a different beast. Definitely the, the function bands, like, I've done it for so long that not much will phase me. You know, I think as well with that, if things go wrong, it's like a shared experience and you can kind of work as a team. I think, you know, performing my own stuff, I'm quite often either on my own or with a sort of smaller uh, set of people. And I feel that I'm definitely the leader of that and it does come with a bit of added pressure. But I think because of that, the feeling of reward after you do something and it's a success and it works out um, is much greater because I feel like it's my baby and um, I've kind of come up with an idea and I've seen it through to a point where I've then got people coming to watch me at a a live gig and it feels it does feel good um, I have to say to to do that so yeah I would say it's quite a different experience actually and I think for me because I've come to songwriting later I still feel quite vulnerable in that scenario and I think particularly with like obviously it's very personal singing about um, your own experiences and your uh, things that have influenced your life but yeah I I think it's probably 10 times more rewarding Mm, as well. Absolutely. Do you have someone that is your kind of go-to when you have written a song or you're choosing a set list? Is there one person that you just run things by or you just very much like go with your own instinct on that? I'm actually so, so lucky that I've got an amazing mentor that I check in weekly with um, called uh, Fred. And he has worked in the music industry um, for a number of years and he's currently working with somebody extremely high profile or or I guess somebody that's been around since the 80s. I I don't want to say too much, but he has bags of experience um, at a really high level but he's also really down to earth and a really nice person and he wants to help. And he has been just an amazing mentor for me. Anything that I'm not sure of, I will run it past Fred. Anything that doesn't seem quite right, I will run it past Fred. Anything I'm not sure of, anything I'm panicking about, anything um, that I don't, you know, I, I don't feel quite confident about, I, I talk it through with Fred and he's, he's brilliant. And what I really like about working with him is, it's very much like a coaching role that he takes. He doesn't ever, ever tell me what to do or what I should do. He chats it through with me. He sort of teases out what I think. He kind of lays out some options. We talk it through and it's like a real sort of collaborative process. And it's just, I think it's really nice to have somebody like that in your yeah. corner. And it also kind of validates what you're doing. Because sometimes I think, is that stupid? why am I doing this? Like, just in general, you know, why am I doing this? This is giving me heartache. Why am I doing that? This is so difficult. Can I actually do this? And I think actually having somebody that's totally on your side to remind you that you're not daft for doing it, that it does sound good, that you, you know, all those sort of things is really, really, I'm so lucky to have it because I know a lot of people don't have anyone like that um, that's objective. I I think, something that I've found actually is there's a lot of people that want a bit of you if they think you could do something for them or they could maybe get a leg up by teaming up with you I've found a lot of that actually which I've been quite Mm. surprised about and I feel with Fred there is none of that there is nothing to be gained for him apart from mentoring somebody that really wants and and is striving for something and you know I'm really grateful that he's doing that for me it sounds like everybody needs a Fred in their life jeez oh man <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I think it's really great that you've embraced that as well because that that that's a conversation I've had with colleagues and friends in more recent times. Like there's things that I want to branch into that I had a bit of kind of you know fear about doing, and someone suggested to me like maybe you should 
get a mentor and I was like I've got this idea in my head like I need to have it sussed out before I approach somebody you're like well that's no that is the point of having a mentor Lisa 100% and I think sometimes even just saying things out loud helps you solidify the ideas or tease out what the good things are and what the bad things are even just having that discussion with somebody who's willing to listen and you feel has the expertise to really pick up on any red flags or anything Mm -hmm. like that is amazing it's been so good so I would thoroughly recommend a mentor um, in my experience this is the first time I've ever kind of had um, that sort of relationship with somebody but it's been really really positive I was playing a lot with a fiddle player my my friend Donal and he um, runs a sort of music venue over in Arran, the Isle of Arran. I'm actually away to, to visit Donal and Fred this weekend. I'm oh, just no. going to leave after after we stop doing this and go over Amazing. and see them. But yeah, so that was kind of the connection. I met Fred through Donal and Fred was keen to, to help me and support me if I wanted it. And it just kind of... It, it just kind of happened by chance, you know. Um, but as I say, Fred has worked in the music industry for some years and has a lot of experience, not just in sort of music industry, but also in marketing and things like that as well. And you know what I actually really like about it? It does make me accountable in some respect to somebody. Right. Yeah. So if I say I'll do something and I've not done it, well, you know, why have I not done it? Or <laughs> it does make yeah. me do my homework from week to week and just keeps things moving along. Um, yeah. as well so I love that. that sounds amazing and I, I love how you you embraced that you weren't scared to take to take that on in your life is there a wish list a bucket list anything that you're kind of working towards I would say the main focus up until this point has been getting the first release out so uh, I've been working towards my premier EP which is called Hunter and the first single of that is going to be released um, at the beginning of October so uh, that's a four-track EP, and what we're probably going to do is release each single um, one at a time and then release the, the full EP. But I would say that's been the main sort of target um, so far. Mm. And after that, I guess um, the next thing that I've kind of been to- talking about and having ideas for is an album. So um, when I started this process, I didn't actually have enough tracks that I liked enough to put on an album. But now I feel that I'm at the stage where I do. Um, so that's probably going to be the next thing. In terms of like longer term goals, I think I'm very much happy to see where things go. I do have things in my head that I'm thinking, you know, like the the old fruit market thing. You know, there's things that have been in my head and I think one day... But there's no sort of set game plan. I'm very open for what opportunities come and just embracing things and seeing where it goes. And I think as well, it's kind of like if I approach things in that way and I see this as a journey and there's not really one end point, then it, you know, it allows me to just not feel under pressure. If I've not achieved something that I said or wrote down in my bucket list by you know 2024 and I've not done it, it could be quite disheartening. So I think I'm leaving everything very open. I will say yes to good opportunities when they come and I'll find my path that way with these sort of signposts that I've had in my head. Oh, I'd quite like to do that one day. I'd quite like to do that one day. That's kind of how I'm approaching things because you just don't know. And I think something I've found as well, I don't know if you find this in your field, but people promise you a lot and very uh, seldom deliver <laughs> you know oh I've got an uncle that does this and he could definitely get you on that and you think ah, okay and I've very much learned to just bide my time with offers like that and just wait and see what happens sort of thing I'm seeing it all as a bit of a wild ride and I'm just enjoying going with the flow you know that's that's how it is at the moment <laughs> I know you've been doing a fair bit of stuff online and live streamings and interviews and different things have you got anything coming up um, there will be some things in the pipeline. Um, I've got quite an exciting um, launch gig planned for the EP. That will be um, a streamed gig. I was hoping, I did have it in my head that that would be a live gig, but I think just the way things are just now, mm. um, I don't know when that would be. And I think an online gig would probably be the answer. So I'm kind of um, thinking about plans for that just now. So that will be coming up towards the end of the year. In terms of live gigs, I don't know when they're going to start back up, so I really don't know. I am booked in for a few, but whether or not they are going to be moved or not, I don't know. So the best thing, if people wanted to keep up with what I'm doing, is just to follow me on the social media platforms. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, 
I am on Twitter, but I don't know how to use it really. But <laughs> if you go on Facebook or Instagram at Nico F Music, anything that I'm doing, I'll always put up there. And also my website, www.nicoevmusic.com. I'll put any sort of major news or anything on there as well. And if people really want to not miss anything, if they subscribe on my website, I'll send out um, reminders and the occasional newsletter as well. I'll put all those links in the show notes so that people can find you easily. Cheers, Lisa. And it's been lovely like, to see some of the Brave clan come together. Like I know you did a session for Dan Healy's balcony sessions. I did, yes. He was looking for a load of artists and I just sent him all the bro brave sessions. So I sent him yours and I sent him Emma's and um he was like, Oh, I'm just looking for, for new music kind of thing. So it's been really nice to see that there's been that that connection there between the, the Bra Brave clan members. Definitely. And I think that is something that we really need to do in any sort of artistic or creative field is really build other people up and help people and invite people and suggest people it needs to be an encouraging community or else what's the point absolutely (laughs) yeah and that's that's what the podcast is for me it's just connection with with people and storytelling like you were saying earlier on the art of storytelling is so important and whether you do it through dance or whether you do it through music or whether you do it through a podcast like I think we there's something to be taken from everybody's experience everybody's lives and stories are, are valuable listening to you today and everything that you've done and the fact that you know you've embraced the the music thing like you're saying about the songwriting thing a bit later in life I think that's so inspirational and anyone listening you know certainly myself I'm like yeah you've made me want to pick up the guitar which my dad will be happy about yes that's good <laughs> that is good Lisa not enough hours in the day for all the things we want to be doing no, I'm sure you feel like that as well that's what happens when you're so multi-talented well, so you'll amazing. be the same there'll just be like so many things that you want to to do and get involved in and yeah it's just like it's nice that you've got your mentor there just to be like right let's prioritize this this week definitely definitely and I think certainly when you are a sort of creative person you do flip between things quite often something that I've really um, taken an interest in recently is sort of film scoring um, and scoring for animation amazing thank you for bringing that up because I, I did mean to ask you about that love this no, not at all do you know that had been something that I had had in my mind and I thought you know I think I could do that and I'd never, I'd never actually just taken the time um, until last week. I thought, no, I'm just going to find like a clip of something. I didn't know what I was looking for, if it was animation, film or anything. And I thought, I'm just going to sit for a few hours in the studio and see, well, I say the studio, my home studio, which is a piano and a microphone. <laughs> um, but I thought, I'm going to sit for a few hours and just see what I can come up with. And I loved it. I felt like a kid that had just found a new computer game and was just so excited to keep playing it. I stayed yeah. up till two o'clock in the morning doing it, you know. Um, so yeah so I totally know what you mean there aren't enough hours in the day but I think for me sometimes it's just getting off my bahookie and doing that thing that I've been putting off doing more of that I really realized that during lockdown because there was a lot of things I said oh I would do that but I don't have time and uh, there I was in the house for five months and I still hadn't done them and I thought right there's obviously another reason why I'm not doing that (laughs) that's a whole other skill set you know to do something like that and I think it's important to tap into these things when you've got the notion to do it definitely definitely and that's been something that's been really well timed actually I turned my spare room into like a wee den a music den right before lockdown before I knew lockdown was even coming and I think I know but I think having I saw actually recently you'd you'd turned I in am in the cupboard. cupboard I'm in the now I'm sweating though it's like women like it's hotter in the sun oh but I think having a place where you can just go in and everything's set up and you are far more likely to act on notions than you know an hour to set up the gear and then by the time you you do that you don't feel like it anymore so definitely um, it's been really well timed to have this wee room and house set aside you know excited to hear what's going to be created in that wee room of yours well I know so am I (laughs) (laughs) now I did mention at the start of the podcast that I do a thing called the thingamabobs which are just random questions and I just select a few for each guest prior to the recording that I think might be interesting to ask so if you'll indulge me I'll get a few for you absolutely if you were to be in a band so whether that's you're the lead singer whether you're a guitarist or whether you're even just the roadie if you could be in a band past or present which band would you be in wow that's a really really tough question i know oh i think i would probably go for somebody 
like Prince, <gasps> somebody yeah. like that, just for the adventures and the touring and all that. I think that would be quite fun. That'd be good. I think of the costumes. I know. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Totally. <laughs> he plays most of the instruments on his recordings, doesn't he? But he couldn't possibly do that in the live scenario, so there must be room for me to play the triangle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, give me that, give that key <laughs> Um Okay, here's a totally random one. Where do you not mind waiting? Um, I think I don't mind waiting, like, if you're in a food queue, because you know it's fresh, but also you've got the reward at the end of the wait. I think, I, I mind waiting for things where there's no reward, but if you're, like, in a kebab queue or something like that, by the time you get to the front, you know that you're going to get your kebab, so... I would go for I would go for that, Lisa. That's ridiculous. That. No, no, I like it. You're very decisive. I like it. Um, do you have a favourite quote, mantra, or song lyric? Oh, again, I have so many, but I also have the memory of a sieve. And every time it's like jokes. Like every time I see a good quote, I'm like. I need to remember that because that's an absolute belter. Honestly, I do that with jokes as well. And then folks say, if you get any jokes, and I go, oh. So let me really think about this. Um, oh, I recently uh, found a nice wee one. I don't even know who said it. But it was, every accomplishment starts with the decision to try. And I like that one. Very fitting. Okay, random one, but interesting. interested to know. What would be your karaoke song? Or what is your karaoke song? See, I think you need to carefully choose a karaoke song because it's a delicate thing. You don't want to go up and be the person that's totally self-indulgent and they've chosen something, you know, like Whitney mm. Houston or um, Celine Dion just to show they can sing because that's yeah. no fun True in story. the pub, sure it's not. So you need to be careful with a karaoke song. I would probably go for something like Walking in Memphis. Tune. Crowd pleaser, fun to sing, everybody can join in. You're not killing the vibe by going for a power ballad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like my heart will go on or something everybody's like oh, yeah. or like something really obscure that nobody else knows that i mean they're like i'm yeah. amazed that this is even on the list for the karaoke <laughs> yeah. totally i know i used to we used to do karaoke every single sunday night when i was dating my husband and i was saying constant craving kd lang really that's a Tune, good choice there's something so funny about karaoke I isn't there karaoke. i love I it i actually it's... love it do you know, it's one of those things you look round and you think, humans are dead weird, aren't they? Why are we doing this? <laughs> I love a good karaoke. Good choice. Yeah, walking to Memphis is, is a tune. Yeah, it's a tune, isn't it? Universal. And um, the last question that I ask everybody in the podcast is, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think I'm going to go for Tumshi. I used to get called a wee Tumshi when I was young. Nobody said that. Have they not? Yes. Well done. Thanks, Lisa. Tumshi. <laughs> means you're a wee, a wee idiot, a wee doble kind of thing. <laughs> you're a wee Tumshi. I love it. <laughs> yeah, That's I can thank my dad for that. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't God, it? Tumshi. I've not that for years. I nope, definitely nobody has said that on the podcast in the whole year and eight months I've been doing it. Yes. So you get Thanks, that prize. That's made my day. That's good. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nico, Ev, you have been an absolute joy to chat with. Thank you so much That's for doing you. this. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. And thanks for all that you've done uh, over the lockdown. It's been very entertaining. I've really enjoyed uh, keeping up Aww. with the podcast and all the different uh, things you've been doing as well. Like you were saying earlier on, it's important to to try and like celebrate other people's wins and support other people doing things that you know great things that they enjoy doing and um, yeah just more of that so i'm absolutely rooting for you and whatever you decide to do next and um, thanks for for joining the Brave clan thanks lisa see you later cheers i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Bra and the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests Bye for now.